0: You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Jobin Bevert, the founder and CEO of Joby Aviation, and Reid Hoffman, the co-founder of LinkedIn, join Washington Post Live to discuss their first fleet of electric flying taxis and how they hope to shape the future of transportation. Let's listen. Hello and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Kat Zekreski, a tech policy reporter here at The Post. Thanks for joining us today for our ongoing series, The Path Forward. Today, we are looking at transportation and innovation. My guests today are Joben Bevert, founder and CEO of Joby Innovation, and also Reed Hoffman, who many of you know as the co-founder of LinkedIn. He is also co-director at Reinvent Technology Partners. Reid, Joben, welcome to Washington Post Live.
1: Great thank to be here. Thank
0: you so much. Well, thank you. And Jovan, I want to direct this first question at you. You're standing in front of one of your air taxis. Can you tell us a little bit more about this technology? And for many of our viewers who might be wondering at home, how is this different from a chopper?
1: Thank you so much. Really a pleasure to be with you. Uh, so this is, this is a really, uh, incredible new age in aviation and it's enabled by electric propulsion and electric propulsion has allowed us to fundamentally rethink the way we design aircraft and to deliver on three uh, transformative uh new areas one is is safety the second is acoustics and the third is the operating economics and we believe that by making uh, substantial improvements across these three areas, we can make air taxis uh, as common as automobiles are today.
0: And so tell me a little bit more about how this would work. Where would these air taxis initially be taking people?
1: That's a, a fantastic question. So. Uh, as I mentioned, acoustics are fundamental to to this. And the reason acoustics are are uh, the 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 unlock is that it enables us to take off and land close to where uh, people live and close to where they want to go. And uh, this morning was was actually uh, a really, really exciting day because for the first time, we uh, uh, measured the the head-to-head acoustics profile of our aircraft uh compared to a number of other comparable aircraft and the difference was dramatic it just it was it's a total game changer both in the absolute noise level but also the quality of that noise and so just to to, to dig into that a little bit uh airplanes make a a, a buzzing noise and helicopters make a a wop wop and those the character of that noise uh has a massive footprint and it travels for long distance and uh it in the case of the low frequency of a helicopter penetrates buildings the uh the piece that's so transformative about what we've been able to accomplish is that we have a a noise profile that's uh, a whoosh that sounds more like the wind or the ocean
0: so what does that mean for passengers and people living in cities? Would these be able to potentially fly places where helicopters and planes can't today?
1: Yes, that's exactly right. so we we uh, see a future where we can turn streets into uh, parks and uh, and cafes, and we can make our uh, our living environment uh, a much more Uh, friendly place to be rather than being paved over with uh with with parking lots
0: and so reed tell me a little bit more about the vision here what do you see as the potential early market for these air taxis
2: well the potential market um is uh you know is huge Uh, one can show multiple models but when you're redefining human transportation within cities and between cities, it's a fundamental part of human life. It's part of your commute and work. It's part of 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 going and seeing your family and relatives. Um, it's a question of where you live and where and where you live relative to work, and all of these things in this uh, redefinition, just like the redefinition to cars and the, and you know from from horses and so forth, allows a reconfiguration of space, just like Joe Ben was speaking about. Like you say, well, okay, currently it's this it's this it's this grid of streets that can get into gridlock and 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 traffic, whereas you have this, you know, kind of entire three-dimensional space that can redefine it. and so, as opposed to, that, for example, having a bridge that you know causes a two hour bottleneck, you're just flying alongside the bridge over the bridge and so forth. And so the size of the market is huge, especially as you begin to get to, Uh, this is one of the things that the kind of the sharing economy. So Joby is is somewhat like Uber meets Tesla in the air. And as you have this kind of sharing economy, it makes it much more affordable, makes it much more active. And then in that uh, arena can can redefine transport for where you live and where you work for everyone.
0: And you mentioned affordability. Um, When you start giving rides to the public in 2024, how much would an average ride cost?
1: That's a fantastic question. Thank you. And and this is again, so central to the vision that I founded uh, this company with. And it was that in order for this to be uh, a, to have a, a really meaningful impact, it had to be simple, something that was accessible from an economic perspective to everyone to use every day. And, uh, our initial price point will be comparable to the cost of a of a taxi or an Uber, but our target is to move quickly down to the cost of uh, what it costs you to drive your own car, and uh, that is we believe that's the the, the critical unlock to uh, to making this uh, transformative for the world uh, and for people's daily lives.
0: So, I mean, can you put a dollar figure on that? Would it be like $5 a ride?
1: So uh, initially, so, so my, my Prius costs me about 50 cents a passenger mile. Uh, my Tesla costs me about $2 a mile. And, uh, and uh, a, an Uber or a taxi costs three to $5 uh, a mile. Uh, my uh, last time I was in uh, Washington DC I took a scooter and it was uh, I think about three dollars a mile so uh, our goal is to is to launch the service at uh, an average price of around three dollars a mile and to move that down uh, below a dollar a mile over time
0: and so Joe Ben there have been a lot of companies approaching this issue of um, transportation and, and even some other companies in the air taxi space. Um, how is your approach different than other competitors in the market?
1: Uh, it's a it's a fantastic question. So when I when I founded this industry uh, back in in 2009, uh, my my thesis was that again with electric propulsion, we could build aircraft that were substantially safer, substantially quieter, and substantially more affordable. And uh, there were many people that uh, were skeptical that we could uh, deliver uh, that kind of performance with batteries. And uh, what we've now demonstrated is that we can, uh, with the, the aircraft behind me, uh, we have an aircraft that is, again, safe, it is incredibly quiet, and it is uh, our service will make it affordable to uh, to be used by by people to for everyday flights, and uh, we're we're just thrilled with uh, with the progress we've made. We're uh, we have a, a, a spectacular team, and we are working daily through the process of certifying this aircraft. Uh, with the with the FAA and uh, also ramping up our manufacturing capabilities. Uh, and I, I might want to touch ba- touch a little bit on on the certification. Uh, this is a process where where we can demonstrate both to ourselves and the world that uh, this aircraft is safe enough, safe enough for all of us to use every day. And that's uh, uh, we're we're very grateful to the uh, to all of the aviation uh, pioneers through history for uh, the 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 really fundamental uh, work that they that they've done to build the, the aviation safety system that we get to utilize. And I'd,
0: I'd love to, to add back. in a little
2: bit. Oh sorry I I'd love to add in a little bit to Joe Ben's answer because one of the amazing things I've learned from him. Is like part of the reason he's standing in front of the vehicles we did this 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 video where it was actually taking off and you could still hear him so the sound is really important because it's part of what allows the things to be in the cities and the next thing is the 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 something for everyone it's not a it's not a new helicopter for just you know wealthy people to fly around but part of that is the reason why the the, the model of of integrating you know the uber meets tesla for the air it's reason why the 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 acquisition of Uber Elevate, the integration with Uber in terms of making this work um, for anyone who could take an Uber, they could also take uh, a Joby, um, and you know partnering with uh, you know the kind of the mass market manufacturers like Toyota uh, in order to make this a, a revolution in transportation for everyone, and and these attributes because you know everyone goes okay, the very first thing has to be safety and it has to be safety, 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 safety. Everybody gets that. But Joe Ben's leadership in this also was like, well, actually, it'll only really work if it's quiet enough to be integrated into daily life. And it'll have to be very much for everybody. Um, hence, you know, kind of like, let's let's utilize the sharing economy, let's utilize um, you know, kind of manufacturing a large number of them with, you know, um uh, partners like Toyota. And 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 part of the the belief that we have in in Joby when we did our due diligence um, around the entire field is we saw that they had been working on this for years, they had thought about all these considerations, they had locked in the kind of key partnerships and, and the kind of how to manufacture these vehicles. And that's actually, in fact, part of the, the landscape of why we, we have such belief in Joby, um, kind of redefining this the third dimension of, of human transportation.
0: And a couple times throughout this conversation you've compared it to the ride sharing economy and companies like Tesla but you know Uber and Lyft they were using cars already on the road um for this technology you need new infrastructure and by that I mean um vertiports ver- and so can you tell me a little bit about where the process stands what your negotiations look like with cities right now to build the vertiports that you would need for these Aircraft to actually function in cities
1: yeah, it's a fantastic question, thank you. So the engagement from uh, cities uh, around the u s and around the world has been uh, fantastic. Uh, the uh, communities see uh, this new mode of transportation as a, a massive tool to improve productivity. Uh, I think we've we've seen that cities are uh, more and more competing uh, with one another for uh for citizens and that people want to go to the places that have the highest uh, quality of life and we see that that uh, air taxis are uh, one of the uh, unlocks for the next generation of transportation and really improving people's quality of lives and so uh, we see cities really leaning in, and, and we're really excited to be uh, engaged and uh, bringing this uh, this exciting uh, new mode of transportation to uh, to people around the world and around the country.
0: And you've mentioned 2024 is the goal for a public launch. Um, do you have a sense of which cities you might be first launching in, given those conversations?
1: We, we have not yet announced our, uh, our launch cities, but we have uh, shown a number of different markets that uh, we are doing really uh, deep diligence with. And, uh, and then there are uh, many additional markets that uh, we're also uh, very, very excited about and we expect to, to roll out over, um, over, the, next, uh, the, uh, over the, the first few, few years of service.
0: As you're doing this due diligence, obviously the future of transportation is a big focus in Washington right now. Um, have either of you been in conversation at all with lawmakers amid the ongoing infrastructure talks?
1: Um, we, we I, I have there's... not, but maybe Joe has. Yeah, we we see that uh, that there is as an incredible opportunity, uh, as you as you spoke of. Uh, for our country to uh, to really embrace uh, this next age of of transportation, and uh, with things like the the infrastructure bill, uh, there there's a lot of momentum towards uh, looking at ways to incorporate these uh, trans- transformational new new technologies and to help communities to to fund the uh, analysis of what a uh, an air taxi network would look like in their city. Well and
0: on that be- food, what it would look like, do you mind sharing a little bit more about why you need vertiports, why these can't land on existing helicopter pads or in parking lots that might already be in cities?
1: Yeah, so uh we can we can absolutely Land on existing infrastructure. Uh, the the key piece is again that we need to ensure that uh, uh, ensure safety is our top priority. And so we do want a a space which is uh, you know we we don't uh, I'm sorry. Um, so so we want to make sure that they are uh, fully uh, permitted uh skyport locations
0: and um i want to understand a little bit more about how the aircraft actually takes off and lands because i know that occurs vertically uh can you talk a little bit more about that process and and how it works
1: yeah so again thank you so much the the um electric propulsion is is really spectacular because electric motors can deliver uh, power uh, that's torque and speed uh, almost uh, instantaneously, and that allows you know in contrast to a, a piston engine or uh, a turbine engine on a helicopter, which uh, needs to uh, spool up for several minutes uh, before taking off, our motors can can spool up uh, almost instantaneously. In addition, um, our electric motors. Uh, we eliminate the, the the noise. So on a on a helicopter, you have both the the noise from the the, pist- the engine or the turbine, uh, and then you also have the noise from the blades. And so we've eliminated one of those noise sources. And then the second noise source, the blades, we're able to really carefully design uh, the blades of the propellers, and also uh, design the overall aircraft architecture to reduce the noise level to uh, something where this aircraft can, uh, can take off and uh, the, uh, for me to continue to have this conversation with you. So it's a, uh, a really transformative uh, and it, it, a, a pivotal unlock to, to this new industry.
0: And Reid, on that point, um, given that promise, how do you think this will affect the way cities might be planned moving forward?
2: So, look, the, the 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 transportation grids, just like energy grids and everything else, are central to how you think of it. And as Joe Ben mentioned earlier, we have, for example, currently uh, a lot of space dedicated to roads, parking lots, other kinds of things, and you can actually, in fact, redefine that. You can actually even redefine. Some of the existing, whether or not the streets would be turned into pedestrian malls, cafes, other kinds of things uh, as a way of doing it, because you can bring to and from. We're in, you know, we've all kind of experienced the pandemic in the last 18 months, you know, plus. And, uh, you know, part of it is say, well, actually, in fact, I'd like to live in a house with a yard and ability to, you know, kind of get outside some, have my my kids play outside. Well, you could redefine space uh, from that as well in terms of what the space and the and the size of the of the city looks like and um you know and, and given that you have the sharing economy that allows it kind of a, a full utilization because part of what the sharing economy does is say well as long as you're not waiting longer than you know kind of three minutes or so uh to to make something happen and obviously you know at the at the end points is where you know um, uber and other kinds of sharing car things can 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 tie in then that makes it all much more uh workable. Uh, and that's part of, I think, where you begin to see how cities can be redefined in ways that is healthier, uh, not just obviously for the lifestyle, but also for the climate.
0: And I wanted to turn broadly to the topic of the future of the tech industry. And you know, in my line of work in, in tech policy reporting, we've seen a major reckoning going on recently with scrutiny of the tech giants. Um, Reid, how do you view the recent scrutiny of these blind spots and, and pitfalls and what do you think needs to be done to fix it?
2: Well, so I think the key thing is the thing about, like when we think about how much uh, amazing American innovation we have going on. So there's obviously things like Joby, uh, which are uh, leading the way in the tall and are creating a vehicle that, you know, could be a canonical example of American innovation. Um, I think also um, when we see a bunch of these tech giants, a lot of things they're doing, like for example, why is uh, the U.S. you know kind of leading the field in artificial intelligence? And it's because folks like you know Microsoft and, and Alphabet and and Facebook and Amazon are all investing in it. Um, I think the cloud infrastructure in terms of what the change in computing is also similar. So the the key question is how do you make these innovations? um good for the broader society so if you if you say well we have we have a worry about you know kind of what's happening with data okay so what's the what's the right way to set that I think that's usually a public partner uh partnership I think a lot of the 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 kind of the 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 too big is is actually a a wrong path and and part of that's because we have tons of startups we're going from five big tech companies to 100 tech companies we have amazing startups like Joby and others that are all that are all succeeding. So I don't think it's, we have too many, too big companies. I think what we need to do, be doing is that the action of the companies is benefiting the American people more broadly and also the world more broadly. So it's kind of the question of how do you have these technologies, you know, for example, uh, helping the middle class uh, get a raise. And for example, one of the things that I um, have contended in a number of environments is if you would like a return of a manufacturing industry, um, to the U.S., uh, that's you'd better hope that we're leading in artificial intelligence and robotics, and that's part of having, you know, that, that the way that's happening currently is through these uh, tech companies investing uh, each of them billions of dollars a year uh, individually, competing with each other in order to make that happen. And I think that's the the kind of thing of how do we have it help us um, and and sh- steer it towards the outcomes that we would want to see, the positive outcomes. Uh, and away from uh, less positive outcomes.
0: And on that topic of bigness, um, Reid, I wanted to ask, what do you think of the recent moves that the Biden administration has made on competition and the action in Congress? It seems that there's growing pressure to break up big tech companies like Google and Amazon. Do you agree with that?
2: Well, uh, fundamentally, uh, no. Um, I think that the, I don't agree. Um, and I think the reason is, is just that I was just describing is that the key thing is to say, well, what do we have? We have these large companies that are investing billions and billions of dollars in new technologies. So it's new technologies in the cloud, new technologies in health, uh, new technologies in, uh, you know, kind of artificial intelligence. I mean, part of the whole, uh, revolution for heading towards autonomous vehicles. Uh, came from a project that you know Google was investing in for a number of years um, as a way of, of driving these. And the outcomes that people are hoping for in the antitrust outcomes won't happen. So you say, well, if we do a breakup, we'll have better privacy. Well, that's actually almost certainly uh, not the case. If you want better privacy, you actually need to have a large enough scale company that can invest in the kind of privacy that you think we should have versus a number of small companies competing with each other. If you want major innovations in robotics, you need to have companies that can make that inno, uh, invent, uh, investment and in that innovation in order to make it happen. And so I think that the, the notion of, of oh, um, you know we should be breaking up these companies is bad from an innovation standpoint and from a, a benefit to society standpoint. I think it's also, of course, once you go global becomes much more challenging. Because, you know, you say, well, you know, we have a tech giant and 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 maybe we should break it up. It's like, well, but that's not what the, for example, Chinese are going to do. Uh, and so you say, well, you know, where would you like the autonomous vehicles technology coming from? Or where would you like, uh, who would you like to have leadership in artificial intelligence? And then in the investing in the, you know, it's generally speaking like five plus billion, sometimes $10 billion a year. In these technologies, well, it's the it's the it's the large-scale uh, companies that can do this. And so that's part of the reason why I'm like shape and 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 make it as good outcomes for society, but not an antitrust action.
0: And Joe Ben, I want to bring you into this. As an entrepreneur, do you worry about a large tech giant coming in and competing with you in the air taxi space?
1: We we're very excited about. Uh, this market as a whole and the positive impact that it can have on the world uh, on people's lives and on the productivity of of our communities and so we we do believe that there will be um, more and more new entrants uh, coming into this industry uh, and we welcome that we we think it will be a, a good thing um we we feel uh really really good about the technology we've developed and about uh what we've what we've been able to demonstrate and about the the network that we're beginning to build so we're uh we feel wonderful there and then there's one other area i'd like to really uh touch on that i that i didn't uh, get to emphasize uh, enough earlier which is sustainability this is something that is very near and dear to my heart and one of the things that's uh a game changer with electric propulsion Uh, it allows us to to build aircraft that are that are zero emissions and uh, our our goal is to apply this technology to a whole uh, range of of different uh, aircraft aircraft missions over time and to uh, extend what uh, extend the capabilities of the aircraft that you see behind me uh, to to serve uh, a larger and larger uh, swath of um, of missions uh, to make all of those zero emissions, and uh, that we believe will be uh, really, really uh, important today uh, aviation's two co two emissions uh, represent about three percent of total global co two emissions but because their travel is growing so quickly um it's expected to to triple uh in uh in the coming years and uh in addition co2 emissions are only about a third of aviation's total emissions so if you look at uh all of the emissions uh all the climate change that that's driven by aviation co2 is just a small piece and so it's really essential uh that as a community we and as engineers that we develop the the aircraft that will uh make uh aviation a a zero emissions uh industry and that's core to our mission
0: and thinking about that role of of the tech industry and society read we're running out of time so i just want to direct this last question at you um we talked a little bit in this last part about the state of the tech industry and i just wanted to ask you what steps do you think tech leaders like yourself need to make to, in order to rebuild trust
2: well so i think uh, part of how trust um comes is through transparency and openness and communication uh where where uh, what are we building to what are we doing um how do we view that we are playing a positive role um, and then also listening um so to be able to hear okay what are what are the issues that people are running into um, that are things that we can either modify or help with um, as part of it? And so you know part of I think that the um, uh, the kind of the key thing here is for us to say, here is where we're going, this is what we're doing, and this is why we think it's good for you and we're listening to modify that uh, relative to um, uh, what the concerns and needs are.
0: Well, we're going to have to leave it there. That's all the time that we have today. Joe, Ben, and Reed, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Have an amazing day.
0: You too. And I'm Kat Zakresky. as always. Thanks for watching. To check out what interviews we have coming up, please head to WashingtonPostLive.com to register and find more information about all our upcoming programs. Thanks for tuning in.